Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is from The Post newsroom, and it's called Shipwreck, Hungry Ghosts and a Bitter Controversy. It's written by senior reporter and my near namesake, Mike White. He joins me now. Hi, Mike. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm good. Uh, As the title suggests, there is a controversy at the heart of the story. So uh, set this up for us. What's it about? Yeah, it is a controversial story over something that arguably shouldn't have been. In 1902, a ship sailed from New Zealand with the bones of 499 Chinese miners. And they had come to New Zealand to work on the goldfields here, and they were their bones were being returned home to their homeland to be buried there, which was crucial for them. The ship uh, hit a reef off the Taranaki coast, eventually sunk For over 100 years, it sat on the bottom of the ocean. No one really knew where it was. Some people suspected they had found it. They'd snagged fishing nets on it. Eventually, in 2013, some divers found the wreck, and that's when the controversy really began, because one of those people that was behind that was a a guy, John Albert, who'd spent a lot of time in Northland uh, from Iwi up there, and he had a belief that he needed to fulfil the mission of these miners and to get their bones back to China where they had initially intended to to go. The following year, he brought up some artefacts from the wreck to prove it was the SS Ventnor. But after he did that, the Chinese community really gathered uh, together and said, you shouldn't be doing this. All these bones should be left where they are in a natural grave on the bottom of the ocean. It's worth noting some of the bones initially washed up on shore and were buried by local iwi. Local iwi also have joined with the Chinese community in wanting the wreck left alone. So unfortunately, uh, you've had everyone from iwi, the Chinese community, Heritage New Zealand, the Race Relations Commissioner, um, politicians, all getting involved in a stoush essentially over the remains of nearly 500 Chinese miners. How do you begin to tell a story like that? Is it a story about a controversy or is it a story about a tragedy? With all those elements in play, how, how did you or how do you piece it together? I think it's both. It's a, a tragedy. Um, it was a historical event. It's called into question a whole lot of maritime laws and heritage laws as well. It's very complicated, but then Essentially, it's a human story, and you have conflicting views. Even within the Chinese community, there are differing opinions about what should happen and whether they, mm. you know, there should be an effort to retrieve the bones and send them back to China. It's not an easy story to tell in a way, but then it's not for me to decide who's right and who's wrong. It's to allow the, the various parties to tell their story clearly and respond to the arguments and the claims from the other side, and then readers can make up their own mind. We should say the story is from our our recent archives. It was first published in February 2023. Has there been any update or anything to report since then? Not a lot of movement. The 
dive team, which is led by John Albert and Keith Gordon, who's written a book about this SS Ventnor ghost ship, they are still hoping to go back and dive on the wreck. It's fair to say that these are not cowboys. These are some of the most professional, experienced divers in New Zealand, and they've had help from some of the most experienced divers in the world, including Richard Harry Harris, who was you know, involved in the Thai, um, the cave rescue of the mm. soccer team, etc. So these aren't just tomb raiders or shipwreck hunters. They are serious, they're trying to do things deliberately and empathetically, but then there's an argument that they shouldn't be doing anything at all. So as far as it stands at the moment, no, there's not been any progress with retrieving the bones or agreement between the, the various sides. All right, thanks, Mike. Let's get into it. Here is Philippa Tolley reading Mike's story, Shipwreck, Hungry Ghosts, and a Bitter Controversy. When Liu Xingwang shows people where the Ventnor lies, she drives to the end of Signal Station Road in Omapere, overlooking Hokianga Harbour's heads. Once there, facing the ocean, she tells them, 10 o'clock, 10 miles out to sea. That's where you'll find it. That's where you'll find the hulk of the SS Ventnor, which wallowed and pitched below the surface in October 1902, with 13 crew, a belly full of coal, and the remains of 499 Chinese men. The Chinese were gold miners who died in New Zealand and whose disinterred bones were being transported back to their villages in Guangdong province, where relatives could remember and honour them. Wong learnt of the Ventnor story in 2007 when living in nearby Rawini and began researching it. She quickly learnt some bones and coffins had washed ashore and been buried by local Māori. But the majority remained entombed aboard the Ventnor 10 miles out. 150 metres below the Tasman Sea's storm-swept surface. And that's where the ship remained for more than a hundred years, disturbed only by blundering bottom trawlers and locals who knew the site as a good spot to hook hapuka. Then in 2013, a team led by Auckland property manager John Albert sent down a remote-operated vehicle which lit up the Ventnor's encrusted hull, verifying this was where its voyage ended. But what followed wasn't congratulations and kudos. Instead, there were accusations of astonishing insensitivity and cultural trampling. And as Albert's group has continued exploring the wreck, calls for them to stop have risen and the gulf between those involved has widened, deepened and become unfathomably bitter. Keith Gordon was the first person to see the Ventnor that day in 2013 as his remote-operated vehicle's lights brought it to life from the gloom of the ocean floor. He was on the surface, hunched over the remote-operated vehicle's screen and recalls the thrill of seeing the ship's silhouette, a time capsule, suddenly revealed. Gordon, an internationally recognised underwater explorer and one of the country's foremost wreck experts, had been contacted by Liu Xingwang regarding finding it some years earlier. 
but it was John Albert who was sitting beside him this day, watching the vehicle slowly trace the Ventnor's buckle deck and iron hull sitting upright on the sandy seabed. Albert, who has descended from Napui, Tuhoi, Ngāti Maniapoto and Te Arawa, had known of the Ventnor all his life. As a kid in the Hokianga, his parents would warn him to behave or ghosts from the shipwreck would come for him. Decades later, standing on the Hokianga's cliffs on a warm summer day, he was seized by an inexplicable chill. Albert describes it as the moment the spirits from the Ventnor entered him and he was convinced their message was, help us continue our voyage home. Chinese tradition holds the dead can't rest until they are returned to the village they were born in and buried with their family. There, descendants can remember them and give them offerings during the Qingming festival or tomb sweeping day. That's what the miners whose remains were on board the Ventnor had wished for. While working the goldfields of Otago and the west coast, they had paid a fee in case they died before making it home to their families. Led by successful Dunedin businessman Choi Siu Hoi, the Cheong Sing Tong Society ultimately arranged for the bones of nearly 500 miners to be dug up across 40 New Zealand cemeteries, washed, separated, placed in calico bags and sealed in coffins before being loaded aboard the Ventnor. Siu Hoi's death in 1901 meant his remains were also on board. The Ventnor, which had been launched in Glasgow the year before, sailed from Wellington bound for Hong Kong on October the 26th, 1902. Its main cargo being hot-burning West Coast coal prized by the British Navy. Neglect of navigation saw the steamship ground on a Taranaki reef just after midnight. The captain, Henry Ferry, perplexingly decided to sail around North Cape to Auckland for repairs, rather than return to Wellington. But the 105-metre Ventnor continued to ship water, and two days later, it sank, taking a lifeboat full of panicked crew with it. For the miners' relatives, this was seen as a second death. Now their loved ones had been flung to a watery grave thousands of miles from home, a foreign limbo where their spirits would roam like hungry ghosts. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The human race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race. 
or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. More than a century later, Albert became convinced he'd been chosen to end the spirit's unsettled wanderings and help the miners complete their journey home. So, like Liu Xiong Wong, he too contacted Gordon and New Zealand Diving Authority Dave Moran to help locate the wreck. Their newly minted Project Ventnor group was augmented by Orma Perry stalwarts and fishing guides John and Linda Pattinson, who led them to the site where the remote-operated vehicle confirmed the wreck. Before long, Albert had co-opted some of the world's most experienced deep divers, an Australian group dubbed the Wet Mules. Among them were Richard Harry Harris and Craig Challen, who became internationally renowned in 2018 when they helped rescue 12 boys and their football coach from Thailand's Tam Luang Cave. 12 boys and their soccer coach found a Both were later awarded bravery medals and named Australians of the Year. And Dr. Richard Harris. In April 2014, after Albert had been asked to provide definitive proof the wreck was the Ventnor, Harris and Challen retrieved five objects from the wreck, including a small bell, porcelain dishes and a porthole. But the group had barely returned to shore before their celebration soured, following protests from Liu Xiong Wong and officials. Overhearing the Project Ventnor group talking in Oma Peri's hotel that evening, two locals phoned Wong, by then known locally as the Ventnor woman, who immediately contacted Heritage New Zealand's Northland manager Bill Edwards, suggesting the wreck was being looted. New Zealand's law automatically protects all pre-1900 shipwrecks, but because the Ventnor sank in 1902, Albert's group was absolutely allowed to dive on it and retrieve objects. However, noting Wong's desire that the wreck remain untouched, Edward suggested decreeing it an archaeological site, and Wong quickly contacted the Chinese community for support. Letters flowed in, claiming the wreck was being disrespectfully pillaged. Within weeks, with little or no consultation, Heritage New Zealand made an unprecedented exception to the law and gazetted the Ventnor as a protected archaeological site, claiming it was effectively a Chinese burial ground. That meant nothing could be disturbed or taken from the wreck without its permission, though filming was still allowed. Meanwhile, in the media, the dive group were being labelled grave robbers and souvenir hunters. Albert, who was making a documentary about the Ventnor, was stunned. He'd had endless discussions with government departments, Chinese community members, including descendants of Choi Su Hoi, New Zealand Chinese Association members, the Chinese Embassy, government and opposition MPs, and been to China several times to meet officials there. Equally bemused was Dave Moran, who presumed they'd get a pat on the back for verifying the Ventnor's location and identity, but received a slap in the face instead. We thought they'd be over the moon, but the antagonism and the pushback and resentfulness was just unbelievable, he said. We've been very, very respectful of the wreck, and people have painted us as pirates and selling skulls, and, oh my God, unbelievable. I just couldn't understand the them and us attitude, virtually right from the get-go. 
I'd love to know what's their agenda, what's the problem, he said. Kirsten Wong, speaking on behalf of the New Zealand Chinese Association, outlines some of the problems. Primarily, they feel there was a lack of consultation with the Chinese community before the exploration of the wreck started, undermining their role as ancestors' guardians. They need to talk to us, she said. Then there were the practicalities of retrieving the bones and taking them to China, as Albert has always wanted to do. Beyond the difficulties of recovering the remains from the wreck, how would they be individually identified? How would they end up in the correct village? And once there... Do the villages and cemeteries remain? Wong, who led efforts to create a Ventnor memorial, points out that the area most of the miners came from has been swallowed by Guangzhou's expansion as it's grown to be China's fifth largest city with a population of more than 15 million. So all the beautiful land, groves of lychee trees and all that romantic stuff, she said, has now given way to bus stops, metro terminals and the tombs are having to be relocated or put in aggregate burial sites. But there's another powerful reason the majority of the Chinese community oppose disturbing the bones of the Ventnor miners. And that's to do with the deep relations they have developed with Hokianga iwi in the last 10 years, the same iwi who reburied bones and coffins they found washed ashore after the Ventnor sinking. They have visited Te Roroa and Te Rarawa, and there are now three memorials to the Ventnor that attest to the strong bonds between iwi and the Chinese community. As Kirsten Wong explains, the spirits are no longer wandering. They have been cared for, and their descendants now have places to remember and honour them. She says they are home because we are home. One of Choi Su Hoi's great-great-granddaughters, Jenny Su Hoi Agnew, accepts it is important, just like Māori ko iwi, or human remains, to return people to their homeland. But if your remains are actually in a place that you can pay respects, she says, then that's absolutely fine. And that's what we've been doing every year on the shores where the Ventnor sank. I think people have to realise that this is a new tradition that we can build because we are here now, in this land, not over there. Sue Hoy Agnew, who with her husband Trevor wrote a book about her famous ancestor, says nobody asked permission or asked how the Chinese community felt before divers went down on the Ventnor. It was just go in. It's almost like grave robbing, isn't it? She said. Rest in peace means something, doesn't it? The focus for much of the ill-feeling and accusation about the Ventnor is John Albert, whose determination to carry out the miners' wishes has seen him vilified by many. Lynette Shum, secretary of the Pun Far Association, which succeeded the Cheung Sing Tong, says Albert may have begun with good intentions of not upsetting anyone, but once you realise you are, what do you do, she said. Do you say, I'm going to do it anyway, because this is my right, and blaze through? Or do you just back down and say, I'm really sorry, how can we work together? They had a plan, and it seemed to me they were going into it for glory without any consideration of the cultural sensitivities involved, she said. It's a bit like boys and their toys. Liu Xing Wong says she and the Chinese community had every right to challenge Albert's diving plans and protect the Ventnor. And Māori said to me, go for it, girl, get those Pākehā off there. 
When reminded that Albert is not Pākehā, Wong responds, Well, he is. He's a come-by lately Māori. He's Māori by choice, without really understanding Māori tikanga. In fact, I don't think he really understands it at all. Raising the fact Albert's partner is from Guangzhou, Wong says he thinks having a relationship with somebody in China indicates he understands Chinese culture, and he certainly doesn't understand ours. Regarding claims Albert's group has rummaged among the miners' bones, Wong claims, well, he's the person who's been closest to having done it, if it was being done. Albert says years of such allegations against him have been inspired by one thing. Jealousy. He says until he became involved with the Ventnor, Liu Xing Wong was a central figure in telling its story. We took away someone's narrative and she was bitter, he says. The reaction to this project has stung, Albert admits. Because I have a lot of people who don't know me, he said, abusing me, accusing me of being a crook, of desecrating graves, of selling body parts to make money. As for Wong's claims that he's a come-lately Māori, Albert points to both his parents being Māori. His mother was a kapahaka tutor, growing up on a family marae and a lifelong involvement with cultural events. How much more Māori do I need to be? She is way, way out of line on my side, and I actually think that's quite insulting. Albert is convinced many in the Chinese community actually support the miners' bones being repatriated to China, but are scared to speak out, or they just don't want me involved, he said. They've been misled, or lied to, he said. Actually, put lied in capital letters, by Liu Xing, and she can sue the shit out of me. And he simply doesn't buy many of the arguments put forward by the New Zealand Chinese Association for not touching the wreck and the bones. He points to the fact the miners' bones were exhumed and cleaned once before. He notes that archaeologists often uncover and remove bones from sites around the world, including if they become exposed in New Zealand. And he says if a ship or plane went down while returning Kōiwi to New Zealand, every effort would be made to retrieve them. If those remains had been European, they would have been picked up 50 years ago, he said. If they were Māori, they would have been picked up 20 years ago. But because they're Chinese, no one gave a shit. Not everyone in the Chinese community regards Albert as a villain. One of Choi Su Hoi's great-grandsons, successful businessman and former senior New Zealander of the year, Donald Su Hoi, breaks an apparent homogeneity of negativity by lauding Albert's group. I give them full credit and much thanks, and I have great pride in what they did to locate the ship. Otherwise, it would still be there another 100 years, and we wouldn't know where it is, he said. He also accepts Albert and the Project Ventnor group have been unfairly attacked by people who have no relationship to Choi Su Hoi or any of the owners of the bones. They have no reflection on what was done. They just open their mouths, he said. That said, he feels the bones should remain where they are. Because of the Su Hoi family's influence, Donald and his brother Duncan were some of the first people John Albert contacted, and records show they both supported efforts to retrieve the bones from the Ventnor. However, in January 2015, Duncan's son, Peter, emailed Albert asking him not to disturb the shipwreck in any way. 
Peter Suhoy told staff he and his father were comfortable the human remains stay undisturbed on the Ventnor. But my 88-year-old father still wishes and dreams that someday his great-grandfather, Choi Suhoi, and his fellow 498 Chinese gold miners' remains be repatriated to and buried in China, as this was the wish of all 499 of them before death. My father wants the voyage completed so that the spirits lost at sea, hungry ghosts, can finally be at peace. This is so important to Chinese culture, he said. When asked to clarify how these apparently contradictory positions could coexist, Peter Siu Hoi didn't respond. They're not the only people who have left Albert confused. In August 2015, he met with then Gisborne Mayor and newly elected New Zealand Chinese Association President Ming Foon, and Foon praised the group's work. Foon added he personally supported recovering more artefacts from the wreck and believed the Chinese community had a responsibility to return the miners' remains to China if possible. However, within weeks, speaking on behalf of the New Zealand Chinese Association, Foon criticised the group for disturbing the wreck, later calling Albert deceptive. Phone, now the Race Relations Commissioner, says his initial support was based on his opinion at the time, but he subsequently consulted a wider group and believes Albert should have approached the Chinese community before starting diving. Albert remains slightly bemused by the sudden shift in support and hints at the influence of Liu Xiongwang and others, and he is equally confused by some official comments and decisions. Heritage New Zealand's Northland manager, Bill Edwards, accepts the group have acted legally, applauds their skill and tenacity in salvaging objects, notes they consulted numerous people and acknowledges the artefacts they retrieved were recovered in good faith to help identify the wreck. But Edwards then refuses to deny Albert is a grave robber. How do you define grave robber? A grave robber goes in and takes things without informing people about what they're doing and has no process. So if that's the definition of a grave robber, then John Albert was certainly on the edge of it, he said. And despite telling New Zealand Geographic in 2020 that there was nothing covert about the artefacts recovery, Edwards now describes it as a secretive little mission in a boat when no one was looking. A point here, the group have always used the boat of a well-known local fishing guide, made trips during the day and stayed in the area and claims they worked undercover are absolute bullshit, says Dave Moran. It's an example of the fraught nature of the issue, where those involved tiptoe a delicate path, bounded by legality, ethics and cultural sensitivity. Beyond that, there are political, professional and reputational concerns. Unfortunately, the Ventnor saga has frequently fallen victim to enthusiastic misinformation, exaggerated hearsay and easy slurs. Edwards accurately encapsulates the entire situation in two words. It's tricky. But Albert points to the irony of his group being slammed by many in the Chinese community for recovering the artefacts, yet they are now prized by the same community as a crucial way to help tell the Ventnor story. If they're so precious, why have they made it virtually impossible to retrieve more, Albert asks. 
Another irony is that Heritage New Zealand's publication of the wreck's exact coordinates now allows any fisherman to easily locate it. They make it a historic wreck, says Dave Moran. But hello, you can still throw an anchor onto it and hook into it and basically pull it apart. Keith Gordon says such is the misinformation and misplaced antipathy towards the dive group. Their efforts in confirming the Ventnor's location and state have almost been totally written out of the official Ventnor narrative and history. At the 2021 unveiling of a Ventnor memorial in Opononi, the group's role wasn't even mentioned. Seemingly inconvenient players in a story they'd helped bring to life. That was one reason Gordon recently published a book about the wreck, SS Vetnor, Ghost Ship of the Hokianga. In part, it was to set the record straight and set out their side of the story. But it was also to pay tribute to the phenomenal effort to reach the Vetnor, the deepest shipwreck dived in New Zealand. The preparation is extraordinary. Divers carrying $80,000 worth of equipment will spend seven hours underwater, all for 20 minutes on the actual wreck. The rest is decompression time during a slow ascent. Just the helium for the gas mix they breathe costs $6,000 each dive. Liu Xiongwang labels the group an amateur organisation, or not even an organisation, and wants only professionals to visit the site, such as those who explored the Titanic. Gordon says this shows an utter lack of understanding of the calibre of people involved, like Richard Harris and Craig Challen, who are among the few divers in the world capable of such exploration. Gordon and Moran have recently returned from Croatia, where they worked with international archaeologists on a 2,000-year-old Roman shipwreck. And Gordon says the reality is, wrecks are almost always found by divers, not archaeologists, let alone bureaucrats who make decisions despite never visiting the site. Gordon, whose wife was part Chinese, as are his two children, hopes some in the Chinese community will read his book, but none of those spoken to by staff had, many saying they didn't want to pay for it. Ultimately, he hopes their work and the artefacts they found contribute to the story of early Chinese in New Zealand. But Gordon, who's 84, stresses it's not just a Chinese story. There were Scots and English among the crew who died. There were Māori involved and Pākehā and Chinese. So the way I look at it, it's a New Zealand story to be told. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Where to from here? Albert, Gordon and Moran plan to return to the wreck with a new remote-operated vehicle later this summer for more filming. Liu Xingwang says she has friendly spies who will alert her to any activity. If she hears Albert has gone out again, she plans to contact Ming Foon and Bill Edwards and tell them to visit him. It's about making it difficult. If you make it more difficult, then people can't be bothered, Xiong Wong said. 
The items recovered from the Ventnor have been through a convoluted bureaucratic process which is ongoing but are now held by the Crown, which paid Albert modest compensation for retrieving them. Another point, a common claim repeated to stuff by even a senior museum official, is that the artefacts were taken illegally and later seized by police. They were in fact taken legally and voluntarily handed over to the Ministry for Culture and Heritage by Albert while ownership was decided and are now being cared for by Te Papa. Te Roroa General Manager Snow Tane describes diving on the Ventnor as akin to desecration of Waihi Tapu, or sacred site. They can come to us and we'll say, we don't want them to dive unless they get the blessing of the Chinese, and then we would consider whether we would support it. Donald Siu Hoi just wants to let sleeping dogs lie. The Ministry for Culture and Heritage is still consulting various groups about where the Ventnor artefacts may be displayed. Heritage New Zealand has ultimate control over where the bones are removed, but Bill Edwards says they'll be guided by the Chinese community. Dave Moran and Keith Gordon are comfortable with whatever the Chinese community decides, but Moran notes many of New Zealand's 2,500 shipwrecks have human remains on board, and the Ventnor has been treated differently. Moran, who has led commercial dive teams around the world, published Dive New Zealand magazine for 27 years and managed Kelly Talton's Underwater World, and he insists Albert should be allowed to complete his documentary. If it was National Geographic out there, they'd probably think, oh, this is very good. But because it's old John Albert, he said. Old John Albert, now 70, says he knows bones remain on the Ventnor, some were filmed on their last trip in 2020, and he's still determined to help them return to China. Because of all the raru-raru, or problems, that's gone on around it, I'm now more determined to do my very best and get them taken home, he said. To that end, he hopes to contact relatives of the miners in China to balance the views of New Zealand Chinese, who insist the wreck shouldn't be touched. My one problem is money, he said. I've run out. To date, Albert estimates he spent more than $500,000 on the project. In the old days, all my family and friends crossed the street when they saw me because they didn't want to talk rugby with me. Now they cross the street because they don't want to give me any more money because they've run out themselves, he said. The longer it all takes, the more the Ventnor will succumb to swell and storm. The fewer the artefacts that will survive, the less the chance of any human remains can ever be recovered, Albert says. After 11 years, Albert realises that if the miner's homeward journey is to be completed, he has to do it. I've spent too much time and too much of people's time to stop now, and I don't want to let down people who help me. And I also feel that those people in that boat chose me to do what I'm doing, and I don't want to let them down. That was Shipwreck, Hungry Ghosts and a Bitter Controversy on the long read from Stuff. Written by Mike White and read by Philip Batolli. This episode was produced and edited by Connor Scott. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, 
available on all the usual platforms. If you follow the podcast, you'll get the latest episode automatically. The story was made possible by subscribers to The Post. If you want to support more beautifully told New Zealand stories, go to thepost.co.nz. Thanks for listening. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.